This is Truth and Love Ministries, where we bring people home to God by learning His truth and experiencing His unending love. In today's message, we're walking through the book of James. Using this book as a guide, we learn several ways our faith is tested and how God has designed for us to endure. We pray this message refreshes you and speaks encouragement to whatever is going on in your life right now. Now, let's take a listen to the message. Nobody really likes tests. <clears throat> tests are, and it all depends on what kind it is. When I was in school, I hated tests. In life, I'm not very fond of tests because tests actually manifest to us who we are, where we are in life. No matter what kind of test it is, it shows something about you. And so James has been giving us and teaching us a lot of things about tests. Actually, there are nine tests that James, talk, James talks about in the book of James. And last week we talked about the preference test, you know, about people coming into the service and we preferring one over the other because one may be better dressed or have more money or whatever the status may be. And I said this, and I want to say it again, that a lot of times we miss our miracle because we look at people and determine who they are and what they are without knowing anything about them. And God showed me that he put our blessing in places that we would probably not even look or think for them to be. So today, we're going to continue on in the book of James, learning from James, and we want to talk about the works test. James actually talks about works. Now, before I do that, I want to kind of lay a foundation. I want to lay a foundation, and I want to lay it from the book of Genesis, and I think from the book of Matthew. Maybe from Luke, too. But anyway, in the book of Genesis, if you remember the story, you know, God, in Genesis chapter 1, it said God created the heavens and the earth, and he the earth was void and without form and darkness covered the face of the deep. God spoke and the spirit moved upon the face of the waters and God spoke. And then on in the book of Genesis, God came to the place where he said, let us make man. In Genesis 1, he said, let us make man in our likeness and in our image. And the Bible says, so created he him, so created he them, male and female created he them. And when he said that, we get over into Genesis chapter 2. This is the creation of man in Genesis 1. In Genesis chapter 2, God, after creating the garden and putting everything in place, he formed man from the dust of the ground. And it says God formed man from the dust of the ground and I want to stop at that point because I want you to have an image in your mind of what was going on from that point. Okay, let's, let's think that God is here, he's in the dirt, and he's forming man from the dust of the ground. Now, after he formed him, what happened? What was the man doing after he formed him? Absolutely nothing. He was just laying on the ground that God had formed him from. And then it says, and God <laughs> breathed in him, the breath of life, and man became what? A living soul. 
In other words, what I want you to see is that man actually could do nothing until what? Until God breathed in him. He could do nothing with, until God breathed in him. And so I, wanna, I wanted to say that because I want to say this, that you have to have, in order to do anything, you got to have the life of God in you. If you're going to do anything for God, you have to have the life of God in you. And I want to I use Matthew chapter 7 because Matthew chapter 7 shows us that we can actually do some things and it not have God's life in it. Matthew chapter 7 says this. He said, Jesus said, many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Yeah. And in thy name, and cast out devils in thy name, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And Jesus said, and I will say unto them, depart from me, for I never knew you. Now notice what he said. He said, now have we not prophesied, preached, in your name, yeah. cast out devils in your name, done many wonderful works in your name, and Jesus said to those people, I never knew you. And then if you look at the book of Luke, in the Luke, Luke chapter 18, the Bible says two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a publican. And the publican said these words, he said, Lord, I thank thee that I'm not as other men are. I fast twice in the week. I tithe of all that I possess, and I thank you that I'm not as this publican. And the Bible said the publican, he stood afar off, and he would not so much as look to heaven, but smote his chest and said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. And the Bible says he went to his house justified rather than the other. For he that exalts himself shall be what? Abased. And he that humbles himself shall be exalted. I said that because I want to say this. Those in both of those cases in Matthew chapter 7 and Luke 18, both of them were doing what? Good works. But guess what? At the end of the day, it didn't matter. At the end of the day, you can actually work. And see, that's, that's why James give us all these tests, because I would rather take the test now and find out whether I'm smart or dumb than to wait to the end and find out that I've lost eternity. I'd rather know now by taking tests whether my faith is real or get to the end, and Jesus said, depart from me. I never knew you when you thought all of your life I've been working for God. I would rather know now. So let's look at what James had to say. James chapter 2, and I'm starting at the end. This is the last verse, but I'm going to start at the beginning. But I like the way this one, what it says. It says, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. You know, and then it goes on, you know, man, show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. And a lot of folks say they got faith. And the truth of the matter is I could walk out this door and I could stop the first car that I see and I could stop those people and ask them, do you believe in God? And guess what they'll say? Yeah. 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 
but there's no corresponding action. Okay, so the recipe is simple. Faith without works is what? It's a wonderful dish. We don't work for our faith. True Christian results are, true Christian work are as a result of what? Our faith. It's a result of it. So if I actually work and don't have faith, I'm working for what? Nothing. So doing the right thing is always a sure test to prove the genuineness of faith. But guess what? Today I, I don't want anyone to leave this place thinking you can work for your salvation. You know, I know, I know if y'all like me when I was growing up, my mama told me, she said, boy, you're going to get anything in this life, you're going to have to what? You're going to have to work for it. And guess what? We carry that over into the Christian life where we actually think that we have to work for our salvation. Think you got something you can contribute. You think you got something to add. You think you have something to offer God. But I do want everybody to leave this place determined to show your salvation by your works. Show that you are truly saved by what you do. So in order to do that, we're going to have to look at four kinds of works that will show evidence of true faith. And the first one is compassion for God's creation. Look at the scripture. James 2, 14 through 17. What does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he has faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say to them, depart in peace, be ye warm, feel. This is what we say. We don't, we don't say, we don't say depart in peace, be ye warm, feel. We say what? I'll be praying for you. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be praying for you. Here I am starving. Yeah. <laughs> and, and guess what? When we walk away, we forget we told them we were going to pray. We forget about it. We soon forget about it. But he said, now, and you say to them, I'll be praying for you. No, that ain't what it say. Depart in peace, be you warmed and filled. Notwithstanding, you give, give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? Sound good. Even so faith, if it hath not works, is what? Dead, being alone. In other words, I say I got faith, but I don't have no works. He said, your faith is not active. It's dead. It's dead. So the first kind of works show evidence that true faith, or, or, or the evidence of true faith are works that show compassion for God's creation. And James is as clear as Paul and John and the rest of the New Testament on this fact. As a matter of fact, John said this. John said, how can you see a brother or sister have need and not do anything about it. And he said, how can you say the love of God is in you? In other words, not only do I have faith, but I'm lying if I say I have the love of God on the inside of me. So Jesus said this in John 15, verse 15 through 27. John, Matthew 7, verse 15 through 20. Jesus said, beware of false prophets. Look how they come now. He said, they come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly they are ravening wolves. He said, you shall know them by their fruits. 
Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? So in other words, he said, now if you want to know whether a prophet is real or not, he said, watch him. He's going to produce a certain kind of fruit. He said, even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. But a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. In other words, there's something hanging off. How many folk know people love fruit? I remember when I was growing up. Now, everything has changed since I, since I was a kid. And you can imagine, that's been a long time ago. So it's been, everything has changed since then. When I was growing up, everybody had fruit trees in their yard. They had plum trees. They had pear trees. They had apple trees. They had uh, figs. I mean, you could, you could, we, could just, we could just have breakfast and lunch just by raiding folks' yard. I mean, that was, that was plenty to eat. And if, we, and if you couldn't find that, that was blackberries growing by the street. That was plum trees over in the bushes. There was something to eat all the time anywhere you wanted to go. But there were people, I remember this man lived over here off of um, South Street, I think. No, the one up above South Street. I can't think of the name of it. But anyway, they had a tree outside of, out of the side of the road. And any day of the week, you could go past that tree and find a tire in that tree. Bicycle tire. Why was a bicycle tire in that tree? <laughs> Trying to get the fruit down. Sticks in the tree, bicycle tires in the tree. Anything we could find to get the fruit down, there was junk all up in the tree. We did all we could to get it down. And that man threatened to shoot us. And you, Bro, Wilbur, you probably know who he's talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if he, he, tell us, he tell us he was going to shoot us if we didn't get out of his bombardier tree. My point to this is this, everybody's looking for fruit. Everybody was, everybody's looking for some kind of fruit. And if there's, there are no tires and there's no sticks and there's nothing up in your tree, you might not be growing nothing. Anyway, the question that James is asking, can a so-called faith that doesn't bear fruit be considered a saving faith? Can I say I got faith and no fruit and it be a saving faith? The answer is no. That kind of so-called faith is really dead. It does not exist. It is not real. Do not fool yourself. And if that's the only kind of faith you have, it means that you're dead too. Uh, let me make that note again. Uh, there are people, pe uh, everybody that listens to the podcast and CD, there are people in the building. <laughs> so, it means you're dead too, dead in your trespass and sin, and the only cure for being dead in trespass and sin is to be given new life in what? Jesus. Speak Jesus. New life in Jesus. And when you're given new life in Christ, it'll be evidenced by what? Good works. Good works. Good works, and the first of which is to show compassion for God's creation. How can I say I love God and I won't feed you? 
and I say I got faith. Does, and James is making reference to all people, not just Christian brothers, so he's not simply saying to take care of the needs of the, that's evidence in the church, but he said, you know, that's a part of it, but the question is, does that mean we're to feed everyone? Every bum that walks up to your car to ask for a dollar, are you supposed to give it to him? Every person that shows up at your door at 2 o'clock in the morning that wants something, are you supposed to hand it to them? No, Jesus didn't heal everybody, and neither did he help everybody. But he did minister to those that God put in his path. You know, a lot of times God put folks in our path, we see them and we, go, we, we make another path, don't we? Yeah. Amen. yeah, I'm going another way. Because I know what he wants. I know what this is going to end up being. Uh, Romans 8, 14. Favorite scripture of mine, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And this is what I'm trying to tell you. Every one of us need to learn how to hear the Spirit of God. Every one of us need to learn how to hear him. When people come up to your car, don't feel obligated because you're a Christian that you should do something. Don't feel obligated because I'm telling you, especially this day and time, there's so many scam and scam artists out here that you wouldn't have nothing if you gave everybody that asked for a dollar a dollar. But we need to learn how to hear God so that we don't miss God. And we don't need to get caught up and say we're a Christian and do good works and then get to the end and God don't count them. So how do we not do that? Remember what I said in the beginning. Remember what I started with. Genesis, God breathed in the man the breath of life and man became a living soul. In other words, I can't do work. Work that matters unless God breathed in me. And so we need to be led by the spirit of God. We need the spirit of God. That's why God said, I'm not going to leave you an orphan, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And when he has come, he will guide you in all truth. He'll teach you all things. He'll help you. He'll show you things to come. And so he sent the Holy Spirit to help us on this journey. And Jesus, when Jesus was on the earth, he was following this same Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit was leading him and guiding him and telling him what to do, when to do, and how to do it. And that's what we are supposed to do today. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. Okay. So, and the most compassionate thing is to help them with their real problem. What is their real problem? They don't know Jesus. Teach a man how to fish and you'll feed him for life. Give him a fish and you just fed him for a day. And you'll have to feed him tomorrow if you see him again. But teach him how to fish. Get to the real. Let's try to get to the real problem, the root of the problem. Jesus never dealt with surface issues. When people came to him and they would talk to him about an issue, Jesus would talk to them about the root of the problem. And the reason why most folks don't hear God is because, guess what? They are focused on the problem, and Jesus is talking about the root. You can have financial trouble, and the root of your financial problem will be unforgiveness. And God starts talking about unforgiveness in the midst of your financial trouble, and you'll never hear a word he said because you're focusing on your problem. So, occasionally, compassionate giving is, is a handout. That's, 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 that's what we ought to do. Sometimes we have to give of ourselves. And all of the time, compassion is, showing, is shown in giving Jesus. I'm telling you, when somebody presents you with a need, 
that's an opportunity for you to share Christ with them. That's an opportunity because guess what? I got something you want. And in order for you to get it, I'm going to need five minutes of your time. So, if your faith doesn't show compassion, it just might be dead. The second kind that shows evidence of true faith are works that show trust in God's word. Verse 18 and 19. Look what he says. He says, for I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. So the second kinds of work that show evidence of true faith are trust in God's word. And here again, James, he starts another argument. He starts another argument and he says, if you can say you have saving faith without displaying the evidence of work, he says, show me. So you can't do it because you don't have anything to show because my faith is real. He said, you got to, he said, show me. He said, show me. Show me if you say you have faith. Show me. I can show you, I can show you my active trust in God's word. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 through 9. Look what it says now. He said, now these words I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou rise up, you will bind them. You shall bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontless between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. Now, what does that tell you? The word need to be everywhere. Now, he don't literally mean, uh, now, don't come in here next Sunday with a scripture wrote across your forehead, please. <laughs> Not what he's talking about. Don't do like I did in school, you know, when I was trying to cheat on the test. Don't go to writing them in your hand. Don't act like y'all ain't never cheated. Y'all tried to write down something in your hand. Teacher caught you. Made you go wash your hand. Anyway. <laughs> see, when you look at verse 8, you see God's, you see that God intended for them to learn and know and follow and teach his word. But what did Israel do? What did they do? They came up with these things called phylacteries. Phylacteries are tiny little boxes that they copy these verses down. And, and they recite them twice a day. They would recite them twice a day. And, and James said that's what they were doing. They were reciting their phylacteries twice a day. Everywhere. In other words, you know how you get up in the morning, you know, you, you pride yourself on the fact that I read my scriptures. I read them when I got up. I read them when I went to bed. You pride yourself on that. I did my religious duties. Yeah. But what value is it? Do you really believe it? Or do you believe it like the demons do? Like the legion of demons Jesus cast out of the man from I, I said that this morning. Uh, I can't even say it again now. Yeah, yeah. Man, I, I, I had it down. I had it down this morning. Gurdjieffing, Gurdjieffing, that is, Gurdjieffing. 
It'll mess you up. Gird the seams. So the man, look what the man had the demons. Okay, the first thing he did was he said, Jesus, I know who you are. The son of God. Are you come to torment us before the time? So what he said was he recognized Jesus. He had an accurate understanding of who he was. He publicly confessed that Jesus was the son of God. The demon did this now. The demon did. That was, that was belief. It was accurate belief. It was open and public. But it was obvious that it was not saving belief. Why? For the same reason saving belief is not for you if you, all you do is carry a Bible around in your car. If you walk the aisles of the church, you come to church every week. If it, if it isn't saving belief because it isn't belief that changes you. Remember this. Belief is an action word. It's an action word. And I always use this example so everybody already know what it is, but we're going to do it again anyway because teaching is repetition until learning takes place. If I believe that it's going to rain, what do I do? I get my umbrella. I might get a raincoat. Or I might just stay at home. But either way, I acted on what I believe. Right? So, if I don't believe, what will I do? Lead a raincoat, lead an umbrella, and I'm not staying at home. Either way, I did what? I acted on what I believe. If I believe it's going to rain, I prepare. If I don't believe it's going to rain, I didn't do anything. I just left home, did what I normally do. But either way, I acted on what I believe. So what I'm telling you is, you cannot say you believe and not have a corresponding action. Like I said about stopping people on the, in the, on the road, if you stop people on the road and you ask them do they believe in God, they'll tell you, yeah, but then you'll say, why are you, you going to church today? Oh, no, I don't go to church. There has to be some kind of corresponding action. There has to be some kind of fruit bearing on your tree if you say that you believe something. You cannot just say it and that's good enough. So, words, even the living, breathing words of scripture don't mean anything to a dead person. You don't believe me, go over there to the funeral home and speak speak the word of God over a casket and let God tell you to raise them from the dead. All they're going to do is lay there like they've been doing the whole time. Mean nothing. They mean nothing. And guess what? They don't mean anything to us unless they are applied in faith believing. And they are reflected in every aspect of our life. Listen, folks. Folks are not looking for folks that can talk scripture. Folks are not looking for folks that go to church on Sunday. Folks are not looking for people that can sing well. Folks are looking for somebody that's real. When I get in trouble, I don't need to call, I don't need to call that man that can sing real good, but that's all he got. You believe in God. You believe in Jesus. You believe the Bible. Great. Show me. Live it. Apply what it says. Otherwise, your faith just might be dead. 
if you can't show me. So the third kind of works that show evidence of true faith are works that shows hope in God's promises. Verse 20 through 24. Look what he said. But wilt thou, o, wilt, wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works? And by works was faith made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled which said, Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then how by works a man is justified and not by faith only. So once again, James reinstates his argument in verse 20. Did you get it? Did you get it? Did you get it? If not, he gives us another illustration. This time it concerns works that show hope that God will do what he says he will do. But think back to the first statement I just said. You got to believe it. You got to believe he'll do what he says to do. So, so is James really saying that Abraham was saved by an act of laying Isaac on the altar? All of the rest of the Bible says, not by works of righteousness we have done, we are saved by his grace. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. He said, now we're not saved by works. Now you have to have works in order to show proof of your faith, but you're not saved by the works except they come through faith. Remember what I said in the beginning in Genesis chapter 1, God has to breathe in you. I hear people say all the time that, only what you do for Christ will last, and I always say only what Christ does through you will last. Amen. Only what he tells you to do will last. Amen. Because remember, have we not prophesied in that name? Have we not cast out devils in your name? Have we not done many wonderful works in your name? I never knew you. I fast twice in a week. I give tithes of all I possess. And the other man that wouldn't even look up, smote his chest, went home justified rather than the man that had the righteous works. So I'm telling you that grace is what saved us, saves us. But you got to have works. Got to have something to show for it. There must be evidence in it. Okay? But God commanded Abraham to offer his only son as a human sacrifice to him, and Abraham did it. Awesome man. Awesome man. Of course, God stopped him before he completely go through it, and God provided a sacrifice in Isaac's place. So, so James is saying that Abraham was saved because he did those things, those works. Did Abraham have to work for his salvation? No. The word justified means for a person to be declared not guilty. Justified. Just if I never sinned. Declared not guilty. Clean. Pure. But it has two different meanings. The act of salvation that is given by the grace of God through faith. But the other sins deal with being shown to have been justified. The first sin, God signs the paperwork and declares the sinner not guilty. He signed the paperwork. All he got is the document. Okay? Then the, then the second... The man produces the document signed by the judge and declares not guilty. The first is the fact, the second is the evidence. So in other words, he, he's declared not guilty by God. Abraham produces the evidence 
and he's declared to be justified because he produced the evidence that he was willing to obey God in spite of what he asked him to do. He was justified first, and his act was a continuation of the justification. It's quiet, but it's going to be all right. The second is the way James used the word here. He's saying, did not our father Abraham work show that he had been justified, okay? Didn't the fact that he was obedient to God, that he was willing to sacrifice his only son, didn't that show he was justified? Yes, it did. But what enabled Abraham to do that? He was able to do it because what? God had made him a promise. God had made him a promise that Isaac, in Isaac shall your seed be called. Remember he told him he, he, he went and had Ishmael by, by, by Sarah's maid and then had to send him out because God said Ishmael is not the chosen. He's not the chosen. He's not the promised child. Isaac is. And Isaac shall your seed be. And, and so he went and he, he, he did this because God had promised him and he believed God's promise. God, prom he, God promised and Abraham placed his hope and his trust in God that he was able to, he would keep his promise. That whatever it took, even if, man, I'm telling you, this, that's why he's the father of faith. That's why Abraham is declared to be the father of faith because he was willing to take his only son and kill him. Because he had so much trust in God that if God, if he, if he went ahead and killed him, God was going to raise him back from the dead. Or God was going to use another way. He had that much confidence in him. But God would be faithful to keep his promise. That's what Abraham was relying on. And he knew that he had placed his hope in that fact. His hope was not in the promise. And the promise was what? Isaac. But his faith was in what? The God of the promise. I'm going to tell you what happens to most of us. And I, I just want to show it to you this way. This, this, my, my sister Mary been praying for God to meet her needs. And here, here, here's God meet her needs. You can take it. I ain't going to fight you over a dollar. That's why I made sure. That's why I made sure I only had a dollar. So if I didn't get it back, it ain't going to be no problem. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, now, God met her needs. But what if God comes back and say, I want you to sow that back? See, most folks, they get that, put their trust in the promise, not the God of the promise. Most of us cannot, and the only reason she gave back because it was mine from the start. You know what I'm saying? So, so she don't get no real credit because she just handed it right back. You know? But that, that's a good statement too because you know what? If we all realized that it was God from the start, it wouldn't be a problem for us to hand it back. It's when we think it's ours that we got a problem. But, but we put our confidence in the promise and not the God of the promise. Abraham put his confidence in the God of the promise. So when God asked for the promise back, Abraham said, okay. Why? 
Because I got trust in the one that gave me the promise. Not the promise itself. Because if you put your trust in the promise, you're going to hold on to the promise and not the God of the promise. That's never intended where he, that's never where he intended for us to be. And he knew and believed this. Why? Because Numbers 23, 19 says this. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. He said, if I said it, I'll do it. And if I spoke it, I'll make it good. I'll bring it to pass. And here we go again. Do you believe that? See, we believe it while we're sitting in this room and everything's right. Everything's okay. Everything's working out. But do we believe it when life is falling apart? Do we believe it when my bills are, are laying before me and there's no money laying beside them? Do we believe it? Do we believe it when our family member is laying in the hospital sick and the doctor has shook his head? Do we believe it? Do we believe that God is not a man that he should lie? Neither the son of man that he should repent. If he said it, he'll do it. If he spoke it, he'll bring it to pass. He keeps his promise. But let me, let me explain this to you. You can't go and find your promise. You've got to have a promise that he spoke to you. You can't put faith in a word that you found. You've got to put a faith in a word that God speaks to you. Romans 10, 17 says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I said faith cometh by hearing and hearing a word from God. I need God to speak to me. I need him to tell me what's going on. I need him to speak something to me. I always use this story. I always use this story at Christmas time. If I, if I went to my mom and asked my mama for a bicycle for Christmas and she, she didn't say anything and I ran out of the house and said, oh man, my mama gave me a bicycle. She gave me a bicycle. And then at Christmas time, I go in the house and there's nothing and I'm mad with mama. Why? She never said she was going to give me one. I just took it that she was going to give it to me. Now, if I go in the house and say, Mama, I want to buy something, she said, okay, I'll get you one Christmas. Now, I have a word to stand on. I got a word to go back to Mama with. Hey, I don't see my bicycle in the house. And that's the way God works. You can't put words in God's mouth. You got to let God speak a word out of his own mouth. Okay, so do you act on hope of God's promises or the promise or the God of the promise. If you don't, your faith might be dead. The so, four kind of works that show evidence of true faith are works that show service to God's people. Verse 25 to 26, we already read 26. It says, now likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and sent them out of the way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Let me teach another lesson while we got that scripture on the, on the, on the screen. I want y'all to always remember this, that death is the body when the spirit is gone. That's all it is. Death, all, all, all death means is separation. When Adam and Eve sinned, they were separated from God. He said, you shall surely die. They died that day. They were separated from God. When a man, a person dies, the spirit separates from the body. That's all it is. 
you know, we go into the funeral home, we go into the funeral home, we celebrate their home going, you, you late. They've been gone. When they pronounced them dead, they, the home going was already sold, sold, sold and done. It's gone. Now you're doing that. We do that for us. But as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So, so Rahab the heart. remember what she did back in the book of Joshua. Joshua knew that as soon as they crossed over into the Jordan that they were going to have to take Jericho. He knew this. As soon as they crossed into the promised land, they knew they were going to have to conquer Jericho. So he sent spies to check the place out. And when they came across, guess where they found, found themselves? Rahab the harlot. And as soon as they got to her house, the men came and Rahab hid the, the spies on her roof. They, she hid the spies on her roof. And she sent, them, sent, the, sent the other men out another way. She told them, I think they went that way. Okay, so Joshua chapter 2, verse 11. Now this is Rahab speaking. This is her speaking. She said, and as soon as we heard these things, our hearts didn't melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. The Lord, your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Now this is from a prostitute. Wow. Wow. She said, man, as soon as we heard this, our hearts melted, and there was not a man in the country with courage. Why? Because the Lord, your God, he is God, not only in heaven above. Now, a lot of us believe he is God in heaven, but he's the God in the earth beneath as well. Wow. Now, let me ask you this question. Was that just, that was just words, right? Was her profession real? Was her faith real? What about the test? What did her work show? They showed her faith to be real because she gave service to the people of God. When Rahab said that, Rahab believed it. And how did she demonstrate she believed it? She hid them on the roof. This is how she did it. She protected them. She provided for them. She didn't betray them. And more than that, later on, she joined them. And like Ruth, she became a Jew. Later on, she, kept, she became a, a part of it. And think about that. Here's this lady, a, 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 a prostitute. And when they come over, she, she, she does all this. She's seen what God will do. She sided with the people of God. She provided service to the people of God. And because she did so, guess what? She's mentioned in the book of Hebrews. Okay? So the question is, do you risk anything or sacrifice anything to service God's people? If you don't, your faith might be dead. We might need to call the faith coroner to pronounce your faith dead. Once again, you've been given a test. A test to see if your faith is real or not. This time it has four questions. Y'all ready for the four questions? Question number one. Do your work show concern for God's creation? Do you truly help the needy by giving them what they need the most? Do you give them the gospel? I'm not telling you, I'm not, I'm not telling you every person that come and ask you for something, you need to stop and, and lay out a sermon and start preaching because I'm going to tell you something. This is what I found out about people. And, I'm, and, it, and it's, it's true of me as well. 
if I'm standing here hungry, which I am, and you start coming up to me talking about Jesus, I'm going to tell you something. There's a voice crying out louder than yours. If I put the mic to my stomach, you'll hear him talking. In other words, what I'm trying to tell you is if, if, I, if I'm hungry and you start talking about Jesus, I'm not going to hear anything you say because there's a lion crying out on the inside. How about let's get a hamburger first? <laughs> this, this, is, this, is, this is Ray's way of saying amen. This is how Ray said amen. Yeah, get me a hamburger. Let, 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 can we discuss this around a meal? <laughs> My life's about to get turned off. Can, can we talk about that first? Because I'm not going to hear anything you say except you say, how much is the light bill? Huh? Yeah. So, question two. Do your work show trust in God's word? Does God's word determine how you act? Does it so fear your life that it overflows into godly living? In other words, has the word changed you? I know you want it to change everybody else. I know you praying for the world. But has it changed you is the million dollar question. Question number three. Does your work show hope in God's promises? Even though you might not understand the circumstances God has placed in your life, do you trust him anyway? Trust him enough to show him by your what? Not by what you say. Not by what you say. Do people look at you when you, born, when you are going through a difficult time and because of your trust in God, they say, man, I don't know how you do it. Or do they look at you and see themselves when they're in trouble? Question four. Do your work show service to God's people? Are you doing things to serve God's church? And when I say church, don't think about four walls. Don't think about the people that's inside this building. They are included, but I'm saying God's church. God's church is broader, bigger, larger than you could ever imagine. Are you doing things that will impact God's church for future generations. Too often we're too busy thinking about ourselves. What am I going to get out of this? You know what? This is so sad that people actually come to church that way. To see what they can get. And I'm not talking about money. I'm not talking about stuff and things. I'm talking about they coming for what they can get. How about coming to church to see what you can give? What do you have to offer? And, 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 and see, too often we come with a God-give-me mindset Amen. where God is willing to give you everything, but he, didn't, he don't want you to come to church thinking about what you're going to get. He wants you to come to church and worship him and, he, and let him take care of your needs. That's because we don't trust him. And folks need to realize, I, I've heard people say, man, I went to church today and I ain't getting nothing. Not nothing. Yeah. 
Yeah, some of y'all might leave today and say, I, I don't know what that man is talking about. I ain't getting nothing out of it. <laughs> it's okay. Because as the great Roosevelt Franklin used to, uh, what his name? Roosevelt? Roosevelt Franklin. He's come on radio. He said, there are those that will send $1. There's those that will send $10. There's those that will send $100. And there are those that will send nothing. And as I've always said, nothing from nothing leaves nothing. So if you come with nothing, you come expecting nothing, you should rightly leave with nothing. I mean... I mean, if you ain't got no expectations, you got what you expected, right? I mean, if I came to church looking for God to speak to me, if I came to God church looking for God, if I came to church to worship God, I promise you, you won't leave disappointed. But if you came because you were looking for something, too often we are caught up in our own little world. Me, mine, mine. God fix this. God change this. We come to give God direction and instruction as opposed to trying to receive direction and instruction from him. Instead of coming with a long list of stuff, come with a blank page and let God write on it. Or come with a full page and tell him to scratch out what he don't want to do. Food on my plate. <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. If you answered no to those questions, we need to call the faith corner and pronounce your faith dead. Don't you want to know now? Do you want to be standing before Jesus like I said in Matthew chapter 7? He said, depart from me, I never knew you. Do you want to be standing somewhere praying, thinking you're right, only to find out the other man was the one you were talking about? Do you want to wind up thinking you're going to heaven and wind up like that man I told y'all about? He walking around, he, there's someone walking around in heaven, he's snatching heads up, looking at faces. They said, man, what are you looking for? He said, I'm looking for that lying preacher that told me this. Didn't tell me the truth. He's looking for him. He said, I know he got to be here too. So if you answer those questions, you might find your faith dead. It doesn't matter that you walk down the aisle of church and been baptized. Don't matter how long you've been in church, how, your, how wore out your Bible is. Don't none of that matter. It does not show through the way you live. Your faith is dead. You say you got it. But there's no fruit that I'm trying to knock out of your tree. Fruit draws people. You don't believe me, plant a tree in your backyard and I promise you, I promise you they will come. Fruit in your life will draw people. And if your faith is dead, there's a good chance so are you. Dead in your trespasses and sin. And the Bible says there's only one cure for you and that is what? To be made alive in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is what? New creature. 
Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. And I could actually preach a sermon on that, but I'm going to leave it alone. All things are become new. And the last verse says, and all things are of God. So, if you trust him as your Lord and Savior, he'll make you a new creature. A new creature with new faith and new works to show for it. For as the body, well, we started, without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. And if you found yourself to be dead, you ought, you ought to want to come to new life today. You ought to be tired. You ought to be frustrated. You ought to be aggravated. And you ought to be even more than that. You ought to be tired of putting on. You ought to be tired of going through the motions. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. If I served a God that didn't ever do nothing, I quit serving him. I, I, I leave. I quit. But I'm telling you, like I, like I started the service this morning, the God I serve, he's good at everything. Everything. Man, when we were driving home from Florida last night, the fog was so thick, you couldn't hardly see the road in front of you. But you know what? The God I serve brought me home. He brought me home. And I was, as we was riding down the road, I'm behind this car in front of me, and I see something come across the road. And I believe it was a coyote. I believe it was. The car hit the coyote. My point is, there's nothing right out in front of me. And as we were going over this big bridge in Jacksonville, traffic bagged up way back down the road, get on top of the bridge, and guess what? A wreck on the bridge. But guess what? I wasn't in the wreck. I wasn't in the wreck. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling all y'all, if you got faith in God, you need to grow some, show some fruit, grow some fruit. But I'm telling you, we serve a God that do everything good. I know some people, they're electricians, and boy, they good. Some folks, carpenters, man, they bad. With hammer and nail, my daddy was one of them. My daddy could come in here and, 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 and get a, a a piece of paper and a pencil and measure this thing and go to the shop and make it. He bad. Do anything. With wood. But I'm telling you, we serve a God that can do all things. Anything. And not only does he do it, he does it well. He's good at everything. Who wouldn't want to serve a God like that? Who wouldn't want to truly devote Put your trust, confidence, and reliance in a God like that. Let us pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, a lot of people are living lives that have no evidence of you being there. No fruit to prove that Jesus is living on the inside of them. No prayers answered. No life lived before men to see to cause them to want to desire what we have. So Lord, I'm asking you today to infuse in those that know you, say they know you, 
a burning, a hunger, a thirst, a desire inside of them that says what, I'm ha what I have, it's okay, but it's not enough. It's not satisfying. I'm still hungry when I leave the table. I'm still thirsty after drinking all day. I pray, Lord, that they will say, Lord, I lift my cup. It's empty. Please, please fill it. Fill it up with more of you. More of you. Because he said if you're hungry, he'll feed you. If, he, if you're thirsty, he'll give you drink. So, Lord, I pray that those that have that hunger on the inside of them that's never been satisfied, that thirst that's never been able to be quenched, do it in them today. Do it for them today. Work, move, intervene in their lives. Intercept their lives. Breathe on them. Remove the scales from their eyes. Plug from their ears. Veil from their hearts so that they can see, hear, understand, and know what the will of God is for their lives. And Father, how we so bless you, praise you. I thank you now in advance for what you're already doing and moving in this place, in their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure you subscribe and share with someone you know. And tune in next week for more sermons from Truth and Love Ministries.